0: Well, happy Father's Day for sure. Um, my name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors on the team. I'm a dad. I have a dad. Uh, I, for all the dads out there, we do love you. And, and actually, just want, want to recognize that not all relationships with dads are kind of like that. They're not all warm and fuzzy. So kind of a prayer of blessing and grace over those of us who don't have that kind of a relationship um, with our dads. It was funny, I was in the first service watching that video in the front row, and for whatever reason, it made me so emotional, and then I got up on stage, I'm like, I have to preach right now, uh, and, uh, and it was, it was uh, devastating. So um, <laughs> here's, the, uh, here's the thing, maybe some of you saw this picture that kind of went viral this week, it's, it's a dad walking his little girl to school on the first day of kindergarten, and then he was also walking her to school on the last day of her senior year of high school, and, and so they took the pictures and put them next to each other and it went viral, and it's just a beautiful picture of this idea of, of the consistency, right? The, the beautiful consistency, the way that the challenge is, is that we would keep showing up and that we would keep, keep communicating care. We, we would keep being a positive influence. We would keep being support and nourishment and, and just love and, and protection. And, and the reason why all of those things are of value that we would try to pursue consistency throughout, it's because that's how God has consistently loved us. And those are some of the values that, that God has consistently poured out on us. And, and so we just want to, you know, make sure that we do honor you fathers, and then we just want to honor our heavenly father most of all and, and for the way that he loves us. Okay. Um, I I want to, uh, if you want to grab your notes out of your handout, you can see that we are talking about this last Connection uh, series message, and and what you'll notice is that we are launching into a brand new paradigm starting next Sunday. So this Summer of Connection idea starts next Sunday, June 25th, and we are doing 10 summer services at 10 a.m. What time is it? 10 a.m., that's right. So the first service, they're going to meet about 50 minutes later. This service going to meet about 50 minutes earlier. Uh, for some of you who come to the 1130 service, uh, it's going to be a challenge that you'd come about an hour and a half earlier. And... Um, and the, the, the idea is that 10 services the, for, for the course of the summer at 10 a.m., the, the, the whole predominant theme, what we're going to keep going after again and again and again is the idea of actual connection. And so we want to make sure you know that there'll be a couple of family Sundays. We've got uh, July 2nd, August 6th. We'll do all the church family together. Then we'll have a picnic or lunch trucks after that. And so we're, we're excited about what that'll do and the idea of, of connecting in our sections. And we're looking for section hosts to help us facilitate that. Um, we're all gonna go through the life of David starting next week and, and different episodes in his life. And we're gonna see what that, how that impacts our lives today. And so we're excited about doing that. Some Fostering some good conversations on the drive home, around dinner tables, that kind of a thing. And then lastly, there is a game that we've put together because there are so many ways that we wanna go after connection. This is just one way that we can get everything in front of you as a church family. I think those game boards were stuck in your handout. But we really want you to know that this is something we want you to lean into, dive into. If you're by, you know, kind of just you can do these things. If you are just with a spouse, you guys can go after it as a couple. If you have family members, you guys can embrace this as a family. There are prizes. You can win the Summer of Connection. So please uh, jump in and, and partner with us in this. And I think that's all the announcement. It starts next Sunday. So when you come to church next week, what time are you coming? Okay, beautiful. All right. Now, last couple of weeks, we talked about connecting within our church family, which is what the early church did in Acts chapter 2. Last week, we talked about connecting with our family, which is part of God's plan, why he gives us family in the first place. Today, we're talking about connecting in our parish. And this idea of connecting in our parish, connecting with our community, it goes all the way back to Jeremiah 29. Some of you might remember this passage. Jeremiah 29, four through seven. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children, then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare." All right, now as you look at that passage of scripture, you you might already know the context, but the context is the people of Israel, they did not want to go into the city that God was sending them. They wanted to go back to Jerusalem, back to Israel. And so they wanted a different kind of a message from God. They wanted the kind of message that God might say, "Hey, don't unpack the boxes. Don't you know? Uh, uh, you know, subscribe to the to the local cable networks because you're not going to be. You don't even need electricity in your home. Like, don't need to get any bill pay going because you're going to go back as soon as possible." That's what they were hoping they would hear God say, but God said, "Just." The opposite. The kind of message that God brought is an interesting message of getting rooted and getting planted in their community, right? What does he say? He says, I want you to go and I want you to understand that there is a purpose for this placement. There's a purpose for me placing you in this community, in this parish. And so he says, I want you to build homes, This is kind of that semi-permanent reality that you're gonna build a homestead, you're gonna develop a domain, and you're gonna plant gardens and you're gonna harvest the food from those gardens. You will eat that food, that's kind of a seasonal thing. You know, God's like, go ahead and plant trees, and yeah, it'll be years before the fruit will come, but then that, that fruit will come, you'll harvest that, you'll enjoy that as well, right? So there's this like a longer term picture that God has. Then he says, I want you to marry, and I want you to have children, and then I want you to find spouses for those children so that you can have many grandchildren. This is a multi-generational plan that God has in mind. He's talking about really getting rooted, really being planted in that community, right, in a multi-generational sense. And then he says, and I want you to labor on behalf of the city that I'm sending you to. I want you to work for its peace and prosperity. And then God says, because in its welfare is your welfare. Some of your translations say, as it prospers, you will prosper. And so there's this vision that God has and he's planting in the people of Israel and it's a vision you're to pray and you're to work for peace and you're to see prosperity and as it prospers, you will prosper. All of this is in the context of a parish mentality, right? You're, you're to be an agent of blessing for the parish that I'm sending you to. And it's important for us to do just a little bit of back, uh, background work. What is a parish? Let me tell you what it's not. It's not a body shape. Oh, what does he look like? Oh, sort of parish. Uh, that's, not, that's not what we're talking about. So uh, parish is actually, it, it comes from a 13th century English word. And when I say 13th century England, instantly you're thinking medieval, you're thinking agrarian, you're thinking the grass-thatched huts, you're thinking the guy with a cart that has a bell saying, bring out, your dead. Uh, that's where the, the English word perish comes from, but the concept is actually, it's much more timeless. It has its roots in ancient Greek words. There's two ancient Greek words that, uh, that form the word parish. You can see them on the screen. Peroikia, which means sojourning, and then peroikos, which means dwelling beside. And I want you to see how these two go together, sojourning and then dwelling beside. Because what's interesting is the Bible actually talks about us as sojourners. We're, we're travelers through this, this thing called life. Like we're, we're, we're just journeying through this life as sojourners. So that's a part of the concept. In Leviticus 25, 23, you are strangers and sojourners with me. 1 Peter two eleven also uses the word. We are identified as sojourners and exiles in this life. And yet at the same time, The concept of dwelling beside is important. 1 Peter 2.12 says, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. So on the one hand, God says that we are sojourners with him. And on the other hand, he has a purpose for the people that we live next door to. He has a purpose for us dwelling next to them. We're to live properly among them. And and that's kind of what we're going after with this concept of connecting with our parish. Parish is an old, old school word that we are going to make new and fresh and cool again. In the Anglican and in the Catholic and in the Louisiana traditions, parish was most easily identified as a geographical plot. So it had boundaries, it was a territory, and it had edges. And yet, in in sort of the religious connotation, it didn't just mean the land, it meant all the people that lived within that land. And so what would happen is there would be a parish pastor or a parish priest, and that person would be in charge of the spiritual well-being. And in some cases, just the the material well-being, right? Just caring for the actual needs of all of the people that lived inside of that area. It wasn't about who came to church, who didn't come to church. It was that the pastor of that parish was in charge of the, the care of all of the people within that parish. So parish means two things simultaneously. It means land and it means people, but both of those things in proximity to where you are. That God has placed you where you are for a purpose. It's so that you would have that, that parish pastor mentality or that parish priest mentality that you'd begin to care for the hearts, for the souls of all those that God has placed in your parish. Here's what it means if you're filling in the blanks. That connecting in your neighborhood matters. That connecting in your neighborhood, in your community, it matters to God. Now in John chapter 1, many of you know the passage of John chapter 1. It's this incredibly beautiful and poetic chapter where the apostle John, he talks about how Jesus and the Father have been one from time immemorial. He's talking about the Trinity and the connection of the Father and the Son. And he refers to this connection um, as... uh, He refers to Jesus before his birth as the Word, meaning the, the guiding logos, the guiding principle of creation was the Word. The Word, he says, was with God and the Word was God. So he's talking about the connection between Jesus and the Father. And then he says this. This is in John chapter 1, verse 14. This is from the message. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Look at that first line again. The word, talking about Jesus, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Friends, if the neighborhood didn't matter, why would Jesus move in? See, it matters to God. And so Jesus comes close. Jesus moves in. The theological concept for this, and many of you already know this, it's the word incarnation. It comes from a Latin root, incarnation. And some of you who know some of the Latin languages, if you speak Spanish, you know what's right in the middle of that word is the word carne, right? Right? What is uh, what is carne asada? What is chili con carne? What does that mean? What is carne? Let's hear it. It's meat. That's right. So incarnation is God in meat. All right. It's God with flesh on, and so that's what the, the Apostle John is talking about. He's saying Jesus, he he took on flesh and blood, he clothed himself in human flesh, and he moved into the neighborhood incarnation. And he did it for a few reasons. He did it in order to show us God's love. And he perfectly talks about it. He perfectly models it. He shows us God's love on the cross. He shows us God's love through salvation. Jesus perfectly shows us God's love. And he reveals the heart of the Father. He reveals the good heart of the Father for all of us. So there's this beautiful thing that Jesus accomplishes in the incarnation nation but I want you to think about how the mindset of incarnation still continues. You know, missionaries have this mindset all the time. It's as God brings maybe a people group to their hearts and they fall in love with that people group. or God brings a tribe that maybe has never heard about the person of Jesus to their hearts, and so the missionaries fall in love with that tribe, and then what do they do? They begin to research. And they begin to learn everything they can about this people group. They, they want to learn about the language. And they want to wor- learn about the mythology that surrounds them and their belief structure. They want to learn about how social interaction works in this culture. And, and the whole time they're learning about this people group, they're praying for it. And, and they have this people group up in front of them. And so they're visualizing what it might be like to interact with these people. And then finally, when they've studied and when they've prayed up, they've learned everything they might be able to learn learn about this group, then they incarnate into that place, right? They literally move into the neighborhood and they do it for what? Very similar purposes to Jesus. They do it in order to communicate the love of God to people who have never heard of the love of God and they do it to reveal the father's heart, which is a good heart, the heart of a good dad, And so so these missionaries have this idea that they're going to incarnate into a neighborhood in order to communicate Jesus and the love of Jesus to these people. Now, friends, listen to this. God has already moved you into a neighborhood. Now the only thing you're lacking is the mentality of a missionary. See, this is the heart that we're going to go after, this idea of, no, God has placed us there for a purpose, place has a purpose, and the purpose is so that his love will be made known. Somebody asked St. Anthony this question, what must one do in order to please God? And this old saint replied this, it's on the screen, pay attention to what I tell you, he says, whoever you may be, always have God before your eyes. Whatever you do, do it according to the testimony of the Holy Scriptures. In whatever place you live, do not easily leave it. And what's interesting about that answer is as one of the church, early church fathers, you would imagine him to say, yeah, always keep God in front of your eyes. Always make your decisions based on Scripture. That makes sense to us. But for him, it was also this third thing that whatever place God has placed you, know that it's for a purpose. Do not easily leave that because your witness, your testimony, the way that his love is going to spill out of your life and impact others, that happens when you stay put, when you stay rooted for a purpose. And that's what he's going to go after. Now, the irony of this is I think many of us, And sometimes, for sure, I do. We feel a little bit dizzy and disoriented at times by the pace of life. We feel a longing for this idea of being rooted, truly feeling at home. This longing for home, that's what it's called. And so often, this longing for home, what we end up doing is we we seek to pursue an answer to that urge, that, that desire within our hearts, is we leave the home that we're in and try to find a home that we haven't yet experienced in another location, as if changing location is really the answer to that query. When really the work is done internally so often, it's first we have to be at home inside of our own skin. We have to allow the grace and the love and the forgiveness of Jesus really to wash over us and to cleanse us fully so that, so that we can be fully alive and present where we are in who we are. And once that happens, then we really can become rooted delving down into the relationships around us in the situation that God has currently placed us into. In fact, this brings us to the next fill-in, and it's the challenge to connect to community within your community. Connect to community within your community. And so often what happens, and and I think by and large it's just a result of the culture that we live in in America, but we tend to speed through our neighborhoods and our communities as we go after the activities that we have committed ourselves and our families to. So we, we kind of speed through our neighborhood and we're, we're taking our kids to the crosstown, you know, uh, sports arena or the crosstown gym or whatever's going on. That, that, you know, some of us, I know Overlake's a regional church and so we leave our communities and we drive, you know, 20 minutes to get to this location. And again, this is, there's no, I'm not like preaching down, like I, I get it, that's just the reality of where we are. But the challenge I'm, I'm going after here, I believe it's a biblical challenge, is to connect to community within your community. Recognize that the neighborhood and the community that God has placed you in, that's where he wants you, that's where he wants his love to spill out of you. When I lived in California, before I moved up here in 2004, I had a, I had a pug. It, uh, my, my pug, it was, a, it was a tiny black pug uh, named Bilbo. And, and uh, very manly, just so you know, just very, in a tiny way, very manly, and and so I would walk my pug Bilbo every night in California, and as I would walk to the end of our street, it was a cul-de-sac, the house on the end, the garage door was almost always open, and the man who owned that home, he had converted his garage into kind of a man cave, had a pool table, had a had a you know kind of a wide screen on the wall that was always showing whatever sports were in season and often there would be two or three of his buddies all that lived within the neighborhood and they would just be shooting pool and talking and maybe having a beer and so I'd walk my you know again just terrifying pug uh Uh, along the street, and they would invite me in, and they'd offer me a beer, and I'd have to decline because at the time I worked in a church where I had to sign a covenant that said I would not uh, have alcohol, and I signed the covenant because I wanted to work at the church, Uh, but I do just want you to know I I did not agree with the covenant. I adhere, I had, I, I, there was adherence to the covenant, just not a, a, an agreement. So, um, but, uh, but I, would, I would spend time hanging out with them and talking to them, and, and I just saw how, even though there was nothing overtly spiritual about this context, there was an incredible amount of community building because of this opportunity to just gather, debrief the day, and, and have some time with friends. And I think about how different that picture is than the way that most of us live our lives. I mean, most of us do not connect with the same few friends daily. In fact, some of us, we can't even think of friends that we want to connect with daily. And, and part of that is just the challenge that we need to do a little bit better development. We need to do a little bit better investment into the neighborhoods and the communities that we have. And again, I told you, I think this is a biblical principle. Look what the scripture says in Proverbs 27. It says, never abandon a friend, either yours or your father's. So and I, the idea is make sure that your friendships, that you're maintaining them and you're developing them and you're, you're building them over the long haul, right? N- never abandon a friend. Never give up on friendship here. When disaster strikes, you won't have to ask your brother for assistance. Look at this. It's better to go to a neighbor than to a brother who lives far away. Could you just circle the word better? It's better to go... To a neighbor. It's better to go to those who live right around you than a brother who lives far away. I want to tell you, my I have a, I have a literal next door neighbor where I live right now. His name's Pete. And Pete has been an incredible neighbor. He has been kind, he's been available, he's been helpful. There have been times he's literally pulled our car out of a ditch. The ditch that we <laughs> parked it in, uh, he, 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 you know, he would help us pull that out. If, if the ceiling is leaking in our house, as it has from time to time, we, he's our first phone call. And again, it's just like, like a good neighbor, Pete is there. Like, uh, <laughs> he... He's just a great, you know, resource in terms of life. And and the challenge is that I want to be like that. And I I challenge all of us as as a church body that we would be like that in our community. And part of the problem is we tend not to stay any place long enough to develop these relationships, to develop these kinds of helpful, connected, friendship-based relationships with those in our neighborhoods. Recent study came out. It said that the average American now relocates 14 times. I've shared this story with you before. I grew up in a military household. My dad was in the Marines, so it took me a little while to count how many times I'd moved in my life, but I've moved 27 times in my life. double the, It's true. <laughs> double the, the national average. Now, I will tell you this, that when my wife and I moved from California up here in 2004, we bought our home in 2004, and, and we've lived in it for the last 13 years. I've lived in the same home now almost five times longer than I've lived in anywhere else in my life. But there are some benefits that we can see from having this kind of place and being rooted the way that, that we are right now. For example, this happened a week ago Friday. I was... I was at the elementary school in our neighborhood picking up my youngest son, Doozy. He's finishing the sixth grade there. It's the same elementary school that all three of my children have gone through. And as I was there, to, to I, I parked the car, and then I was walking over to the parent pickup line. And as I was walking up to the parent pickup line, and this doesn't always happen, but this happened to hap- all of this happened in one day, I began to greet the people that uh, you know I, that I knew, and so I was like, "Oh, hey, Janine! Janine and her family are." Over Lakers, they've been coming for a while, and I said hi to her, and then I walk, oh, hey, Mrs. Bragg, how are you? And talked to her. She and I had coached on a local soccer team for a couple of years, and and then I saw uh, the uh, the middle school orchestra teacher. He was in the car, kind of waiting for his son Jackson, who's also in my son Doozy's class. And I'm like, Mr. Kelly, how are you? Come here, and you know, and I gave him a hug, and. And then I'm walking up, and apparently all this was being observed by some of the teachers, some of the faculty at, at the local elementary school, because Mrs. Stookey, as I was walked up, by the way, Mrs. Stookey, her husband Jay, I got a, a, the chance to officiate their wedding, which was super fun. And, and so uh, she's been my, my kid's teacher three different years, so we know Mrs. Stookey. So I walk up and Mrs. Stookey saying to the other staff, "Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Howerton, the mayor of Woodenville." <laughs> <laughs> And so I laughed along with them, and I said, and I meant it, this is my tribe. These, these are my people. I, I love them. And I didn't say this in terms of derogatory or ownership. I said it in terms of camaraderie and affection. I, I love where God has planted us. I love this sense of togetherness as we strive forward. We, we want flourishing for all of our families. We, we battle the same elements out there in Woodinville. Like, like it's, it's, it's fun to be in this together, and that's how I feel about my place in Woodinville. And Overlake, it's absolutely how I feel about you. I love being on this journey with you. I have this incredible amount of love and affection for you. I can't believe the good fortune I have that God has allowed me to be on this journey with you. But I want you to know that this this love that's in my heart for this parish that God has placed me in, it's it's not unique that uh, all of the pastors at Overlake have this same kind of affection. And love. The McQueens, Pastors Josh and Neely, they love the neighborhood that God has placed them in in Totem Lake. They do incredible work in that neighborhood. I don't know if you've ever heard Pastor Pat talk about his love for Juanita, but every time he talks about Juanita, he gets giddy. He just absolutely loves it. The chairman of our elder board, Mark Bauman, and his wife Lisa, they, they in their neighborhood, they, they prayer walk as a part of their faith practice in their neighborhood, and they choose times to prayer walk that are nicer, where people will be out working in the yard, washing the car, and so they can stop along the way and talk to people as they prayer walk. And that's just a part of how they do their life in faith. See, it's this beautiful picture of actually caring for, being present, being mindful in the community that God has placed us in. And, and here's what I would argue. I would argue that this has always been God's plan. That God has always desired his people to be salt and light. And it goes all the way back. If you want to go, where's the first time that we see a picture of this? You go all the way back to the book of Genesis. And you see God as he interacts with Abram soon to change his name to Abraham, Father Abraham, when God intersects with Abram's life initially, when he calls him out of the distant land of Ur, look at what he says. This is what God says to Abram in Genesis 12.1. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family. So far, this doesn't sound like what we've been talking about, but hang on. Leave your, your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. You see, God had a desire. He had in mind a specific place for Abram, Abraham to invest his life that he knew there was going to be a testimony about this investment. He knew that there was going to be spillover. There was going to be this this recognition, right, that that Abraham was going to invest himself in a specific place. And again, here's why I want us to make it personal. And this is what God has for you too and for me, that we would invest our life in the place that God has called us to. Then God says in in chapter 12, verse 2, I will bless you, God says, and you will be a blessing to others. You see, God desires to bless Abraham, absolutely, but not only Abraham. God desires to bless Abraham, but then he's going to make him a blessing to other people as well. And this is true for you, and it's true for me. Do you believe that God wants to bless you? He does. Absolutely, God wants to bless you. But not only for your sake. God desires to pour his blessing out over you, and then in turn, that his blessing would be poured out through you to those around you. We call this spillover blessing. And when I say we call this spillover blessing, I mean I made it up this week, uh, spillover blessing, right? This idea that God just pours his blessing out into you and then it pours through you into those around you in your parish. This idea, yes, God wants to bless you, but God wants to bless others through you. And then look at this. This is verse 3. And then God says, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Could you circle the word all? All the families on earth, God says to Abram, will be blessed through you. And this is why we sing Father Abraham and many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Uh, It's a Sunday school song. All the families on earth will be blessed through Abraham. Now, here's the question. Do you realize all the families in your neighborhood will be blessed through you? Do you understand that all the families in your community will be blessed through you? All the families in your city will be blessed through you. Have you ever thought things like that? See, here's the prophetic truth, and I I want you to see this on screen. You might want to write this down. The prophetic truth is, I am a blessing to those whom God has placed around me. I am a blessing to those whom God has placed around me. I am. And the reason why it's a prophetic truth is because maybe as as you write that down, you realize, I don't know if that's really true of me yet. That's okay. Take it as a challenge. This is God's plan, that he wants to bless those around you through you. He wants to pour blessing out over you so that you would be a blessing to those around you around you. And this is the idea of Jeremiah 29, 7, where he says, I want you to pray for the people that you're surrounded by. I want you to work on behalf of the city that I'm sending you to, because as it prospers, you will prosper. And its welfare is your welfare. So I want you to be all about blessing the city that I am sending you into. This week, I had the opportunity to be in Washington, D.C., I was, in, uh, I was in the city on Monday meeting in four different uh, State Department offices. And then on Tuesday, uh, two congressmen offices and two uh, congresspeople offices and two senators offices. And it was uh, a story for another time. I'll tell you why we were there for some advocacy for Israel and Palestine. But the, the, the main point is this. While I was in, in D.C., I was asked a question multiple times. And the question was, Pastor, what do you want for your church what do you want your church to be known for? And I had an answer, and you, it's not, you're not going to be surprised. because I'm sure you've heard this from me before. I just said right away, I want Overlake to be known because we love God and we bless our city. We love God and we bless our city. That's what we're to be about. We are to be that salt and that light. We are to be that goodness. We are to be that seasoning in life. We, we are to be that, that blessing where if suddenly Overlake was gone, I would want the entire region to miss it dearly because of all the ways that Overlake blesses the communities that God has placed us in. Now, I want to end our time together with a couple of real practical challenges. This is how we're going to go after uh, connecting in our parish this summer. If you're filling in the blanks, these are very easy for us to participate in as, as a, a church family. The first is to the challenge to host a summer block party. And you can write that on the card or uh, you can head out in the hallway and sign up. What's incredible about the way Overlake comes alongside on this is that any of us can host barbecues, block parties at any time. But if you, if you let Overlake help, then we've just got kind of the signage that says, you know, welcome to the block party. We've got invitations that you can hand out to all your neighbors. We've got like even things like plates and napkins, which I always forget. Uh, so it's nice that uh, that stuff's Starting Cornhole games, which if you don't know what cornhole is, highly addictive. Uh, all kinds of fun stuff uh, to do. So to just host a summer block party. And again, it's a great way just to bless your neighbors, to meet your neighbors, to begin to develop friendships with your neighbors neighbors, this idea of connecting in your parish. The next fill-in is this, that you would jump into a community serve day. Jump into a community serve day and there are two dates of a special to note. One is July 15th, and one is August 19th. Uh, there are some details that you might want to jot down. The, the 15th, we're doing a carnival at our special delivery house. It's it's our home for unhoused uh, pregnant women. And so we'll just kind of sponsor a carnival out there. That, that'll be an incredible amount of fun. On the 19th, we're going into a local uh, elementary school and doing some service work. And again, a great way to be able to give back into the community and to bless your parish. As I wrap this up, I I do want us to go back to the person of Jesus. And I want you to remember that Jesus became flesh and he moved into the neighborhood. He wrapped himself in flesh and he moved into the neighborhood. And that is still his plan today. Because Christ dwells in you if you're a follower of Jesus. Jesus has come and he's made his home in your heart. He has skin on. It happens to be your skin now. And he has already moved into the neighborhood. Which neighborhood? Well, which neighborhood are you in? Because that's where he is. And he desires to do the same thing today that he did 2,000 years ago. He desires to bless the people that he comes into contact with. He desires to, to share the love of God with those people. In small ways, in, in you know little tangible ways and in, in big, you know, overt ways. He, he desires to communicate God's love and he desires to reveal the Father's good heart. And that's what you and I can do today. That's the challenge for us to connect to our parish so that he receives the glory and honor. Jesus became flesh and moved into the neighborhood and he did it with a purpose. And the purpose was that he would care for the parish. So the challenge is Will you do the same? Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray. Lord, we begin by just telling you how thankful we are for you. You have loved us and you have pursued us and you have forgiven us. You know everything about us. And you cover us with your grace and you cleanse us. And, and, and you're the one who wraps your arms around us and you lift us up and you give us purpose and you give us joy and, and you give us a pathway of peace and you pour your blessing out over us. And for all these things, Jesus, we are just so very thankful. Father, on Father's Day, we just want to say thank you for being such a good dad. But when it comes to this issue of connecting with our parish, you know our hearts and you know why it is that we hesitate sometimes, why it is that we hold back. And so, Lord, would you just give us the courage to do what it is that you're calling us to do? Help us to get invested. Help us to get rooted wherever it is that we are. Help us to make a good investment relationally because, Lord, we want to be faithful to the mission that you've given us. We want to pray on behalf of our neighbors. We want to pray for their needs. We want to Pray that you would bless them, and we want to be a blessing because we know, Lord Jesus, this is your call for us. Help us to bless our city. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm